0: Welcome to This is Just and Sandu, here alongside Just Breathe for Ask Canadian Six, the podcast welcome just record
1: thank you so excited to be back new year new pantek musli let's do this
0: new year new me
1: (laughs) what was your resolution
0: for the new year i don't know if i ever asked you
1: i don't think i had one i think it was just like survive stay healthy it's a very low bar what was yours
0: uh yeah same thing just live every day
1: yep there we go well this wasn't a sick
0: new year you know what i mean
1: that's true. This is Gregorian calendar, so we're not giving it as much importance. We get, yeah. uh, I, I don't know about you, but I get like weekly emails about calendars and which ones to follow. So I'm very invested.
0: I'm, I'm, part, <laughs> I'm part of an email chain uh, between, uh, between uncles. I'm almost yes. positive we're all uncles. Uh, i think yeah you're probably on the same one i, I don't this know how year. i got on it i've asked multiple people oh, to remove from the single chain <laughs> it now just go straight to it goes straight to like the promotion tab of my gmail account
1: you uh, cannot where, unsubscribe yeah, from banthik conversations on calendars no
0: no it's yeah it's not like a newsletter it, it's literally just a huge debate amongst uncles on what a calendar uh is or should be uh and we are all we all have to just
1: watch Yep, yep. DM us if you want to be added to the email list. <laughs>
0: uh, but yes, no, this is a, a new show for the new year. Uh, here's a promise. Here, here is a resolution, a commitment of sorts uh, for the World Sick Organization uh, and from just before myself. We will be much more consistent with these podcasts. Uh, <laughs> look, we're, we're volunteers. We're volunteering your time. Uh, but that's no excuse, right? Like a lot of people have things on their plates and a lot of people are really stepping uh, stepping up and doing a lot of great things uh, for the fun. Uh, and there's no reason why we can't as well on a more consistent basis. So we really want to treat this podcast consistently. I know we have a, a large and, and, and uh, strong loyal uh, listenership uh, and I think we, we need to be on the ball ensuring these come out more predictably. So that is a New Year's resolution from us.
1: Is, I, that is the podcast news and a huge, huge acknowledgement. Um, Jaskarn and I are the voices of the podcast, but Gerpa, Aaron, Shinda, all the people that make this happen, that make sure that we stay on task, they are the real heroes.
0: They are because uh, they get no glory. At least you and I get glory out of this.
1: And they get no uh, glory and they have to deal with us. So. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, but uh, that, that, that's the resolution for the year. Uh, but we're, what are we talking about? Uh, what are we talking about today, uh, for this podcast? Uh, a couple of little things. Uh, there's obviously the roll up of what's been going on in the last month. Uh, I think the biggest news of the month has been like Goldie Media, like this, uh, um. this term has entered, uh, the mainstream of, uh, the Sikh Punjabi community. Uh, and we, we've seen it at work in, uh, defaming uh, Ravi Singh, he calls the aid. Uh, it went after uh, Raman Brard, a former conservative candidate. Uh, it went after Navdeep uh, who stepped down from uh, from a senior minister role. Uh, and we've seen it over and over again, how the, the media has been used to defame Sikhs. Uh, so we'll talk about that uh, and about the farmers' protests in general. Uh, also, it, this feels like ancient times already, but uh Navakya, aka Raptor Superfan, Returned his reward to the Canada India Foundation less than a month ago, at least at the time of this recording, less than a month ago. Uh, so we'll talk about that as well and, and what that means and, and the symbolism behind it. Uh, we will uh, also later in the show talk to uh, our new Director of Community Development at the World SIG Organization, uh, Anita Lal, and we'll have that conversation. Uh, and we'll also, uh, at the end here, talk about US politics. Uh, we're going to have a uh, an interview uh, with Shabat Singh, uh, of the one podcast about what does this new administration mean for six, uh, what to make of all these Indians uh, that have been hired uh, in the Biden administration. I think there is one, uh, Sabrina Singh, I think. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that as well uh, and uh, set this up for you guys. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll jump into it right after the, right after the hop here. Golden Media. Now, if you've been following the farmers protest, you have heard this term pop up over and over again. And I honestly didn't to, know what
1: it yeah. I thought it was like a um <clears throat> government of India Modi. I thought it was like one of those collaboration words and I to, actually forgot <laughs> what it was.
0: Yeah, so it means lap. It's sitting yeah, like your yeah, you're literally sitting in the lap of the government. Uh which is a, a funny, cute term. And I, and I think it's a lot better than fake news, to be honest. Uh, okay. and it's, and it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and, and especially- I think like fake
1: news, there's actual fake news. And then there's the way that the term fake news is used to accuse uh, neutral journalism of being fake. This one is yes. the, the clarification helps. This is media that is in the lap of the BJP in India.
0: And this is not a surprise right? for those that follow uh, India and its media landscape, uh, this has been like an ongoing issue of uh, India's press. And so Reporters Without Borders, uh, who does a, uh, a regular annual uh, ranking of uh, world press freedom, uh, India's ranked 142 out of 180 countries. It's uh, like the lowest ranked or one of the lowest ranked democracies in the world. It's underneath places like Myanmar, Burma, uh, for example. Uh, so places that we would you know, naturally, uh, not actually, actually, typically associate uh, where press freedom is, is at risk. India is actually ranked underneath a lot of those places. And
1: yeah, so, Some of us have had the honor of being on the receiving end of things like ANI News, or so. Like special acknowledgement to those of our readers who have a first-hand exp- uh, readers listeners who have <laughs> a first-hand experience of uh, being written about look and
0: it's no secret uh wso is often attacked uh by the anis and the z medias of the world and uh, so they what's happening here is media in india is used as an arm of like the indian state's propaganda and disinformation machine and uh the eu disinfo lab for example exposed a network of of literally fake news websites hundreds of them around the world including here in canada to disseminate uh pro-india news uh, you want but- to go
1: down that rabbit hole check out that the EU disinfo lab report uh they were able to uncover a kalistan radio station registered in bloor street so is the indian government pretending to be kalistan in canada to defame legitimate calls for Khalistan. fascinating stuff
0: yeah it, it's crazy it's absolutely crazy uh, but it happens and it's been happening regularly and, and I think for those like in the community kind of activism space they, they've seen it regularly but more and more in the general kind of like Punjabi community are uh, are getting uh, up close and personal with it as well and seeing it how it's being used to defame like, the farmers protest. So what, what what's actually happening here is the Indian media uh, is used as a tool to again suppress uh, um, and slander minority communities, uh, a particular focus usually on either uh, Kashmiris uh, or Sikhs in Punjabis. Uh, again, no coincidence that the two states where there's not a, a Hindu majority population, and uh, two uh, two peoples that are active in the diaspora and, and shining light on atrocities that are happening within India. Anyways, this is a this is a long way of saying that the India media, what they do is They'll put out stories um, in cooperation with uh Indian state agencies, uh usually intelligence agencies that uh are designed to compromise and undermine uh sick advocacy. And yeah, the when, day, when the
1: six scholars, uh, when the six scholars wrote their response to um, the mcdonald Laurie Institute fake report, we were all called by ANI News disgruntled Pakistani um, agents who had gone into the diaspora and were were mobilized against the Indian government. So that's what they've said about me personally. <laughs> well, and and, and if
0: Fox was able to pull that off, you know what? Kudos to them. If
1: Pakistan could have a a, sick, a person acting as a sick planted at Ivy League institutions all over the world and they've only spoken up once against the Indian government as a collective, that's really, that's a lot of investment for a very short game, but that, that would be impressive.
0: That's because Pakistan's playing the long game. Yeah, They're taking this very seriously. They've been working diligently for the last 20, 30 years. To oh get wait, aren't they? Aren't,
1: aren't these? Uh, aren't these award-winning journalists who have been given awards by six in Canada? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's like this crazy thing, right?
0: Where uh, this all kind of loops in uh, to the Navvot history as well, and so we'll, we'll connect all these dots.
1: Um, They're not awarded. That was sarcasm in case anyone is missing it over the, yeah, over yeah. the non-visual medium. They uh, they yeah. were actually given, uh, Z News was given award through the Canada India Foundation presented by uh, Minister Navdeep Bains. Um, but that did yeah. not optimize them. We'll get there though. We'll get, we'll you're, get you're, there. Jumping ahead, you're getting ahead of ourselves. Stay tuned. Stay yourself. tuned. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. So like we're, we're breaking this down just record. Uh, okay. So what happens is, We'll give the most recent example, right? Nugby Vance, because, you know, you mentioned him. Uh, senior minister in Canada, an uh, integral part of the Liberal Party of Canada, uh, steps down uh, from his minister uh, role uh, because, you know, he, he's prepping himself to leave politics after the, up, well, essentially before the next election, which is being speculated in Canada, at least to happen uh, by as early as this spring. Uh, so it's a minority government situation here. And so Nabi, uh Benz said the signal, look, I'm not going to run again, so I'm going to step down uh, and I'm going focus on, you know, probably private sector and family and, and what have you, post-politics like. The Z News ran a story, um, a dubious story, accusing Nabi Benz for corruption, um, connecting him to sick orgs, accusing him of quote-unquote calisthenic extremism, a whole host of things. It, it's It's a really bizarre article. Uh, it has done the rounds. It's continued to do the rounds. But the whole point of that was, aside from like defaming and slandering the Libs as a, you know, a sick politician, uh, to therefore undermine the community. Uh, it's also in the hopes that local Canadian media would pick up and quote that story and run with it. And they dead. did. Pardon?
1: Yeah, there were people in political circles who were sharing. Yeah, that
0: political, political circles. Yeah, political circles did it. Uh, there was a, a conservative senator who picked it up. Um, there was folks in, uh, associated with uh, the McDonald's uh, Institute that picked it up, which is obvious. Um, but mainstream media did it. And uh, I think that's a product of like a lot of work that we've done for WSO and having editorial board meetings, keeping constant connections. Okay, uh, is a lot more cautious. Um, and there's a piece by uh, a board member of ours, Herman Condola, uh, in, in a new uh, platform that I've had hand in launching, uh, Boz, uh, that kind of walks through this and, and breaks it down. Really. I swear. That's a shameless plug there, by the way.
1: Um, B-A-A-Z.
0: Yes, www.bosnews.org. It's very straightforward. Uh, in any case, uh, the hope was that Canadian media would pick up the story, and then you kind of have stories just keep quoting itself, and you had a whole host of articles come out, and then India would go and write stories about how Canada wrote stories, and you just have this loop uh, to kind of like slam through the community. Uh, luckily, uh, the Canadian media never picked it up and the story kind of died on the pages of Z Media. In fact, the conservative senator that tweeted out this story uh, had to retract and apologize and claim that, you know, these are dubious media sites from India that are working at the behest of government. So it totally backfired. Uh, and I think a product of a lot of strong advocacy from uh, six on the ground here. Um, but that's just an example of Golden Media work. They, they, Z Media, Sticking to Z media also claimed that um, uh, Ravi Singh and Khalsa Aid were associated uh, you know, with extremism, with terrorism, uh, and labeling these things. At the same time, <laughs> you know, shortly thereafter, uh, MP Timopol, uh, Minister Ravi Sakari, and Mayor Patrick Brown uh, officially nominated Khalsa Aid for a Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, like, India is the only place where an organization is recognized and nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize and also being claimed of terrorism and extremism. That's the only place where this could happen.
1: There's so many interesting things about the farmers' protests and the fact that they're being done in Jardikala and how hard that is to conceptualize and how hard that is to fathom and understand. Uh, the In Surrey, in a very Sikh dominant city in Canada, uh, the farmers' protests were shut down by the RCMP, our federal police, for because the accusation was it was a gathering it was going to be a concert the lineup was amazing people were going to be doing poetry and singing and speeches and it was going to people were going to stay in their cars and it was going to be broadcast over a service and that's what sick protest looks like it looks like Casa Aid providing foot massages it looks like people making pizza for each other it looks like um people having like a Casa Aid has like a mall a farmers mall where people can go in and for free get all of the things that they need It's music it's uh, very high spirits it looks like a concert and there are stages and there's like there's songs and there's there's a very very high spirit both the Canadian police and the Indian media have willingly misinterpreted that as being gathering and as being dangerous and for some reason being Khalistan and if Khalistan is foot massages and pizza and malls with free stuff count me in
0: yeah, and I think this comes with the other conversation, right? Like talking about Khalistan, about the issue of Khalistan, the concept of Khalistan, it's like it's not a bad word. Uh, no. You treat it like it's synonymous with terrorism, and it, like synonymous with terrorism or extremism, which is like absolutely false.
1: Like, like and that's the pairing, right? Like the media keeps pairing Khalistan terrorism, Khalistan terrorism. And so you stop questioning that connection. And we all need to take a huge step back and look at what this actually is.
0: And so, it, and it's like I think for the first time, because of the farmers' protest, um, there's like this mass awareness now that India media has set up and designed, or a lot of players in India media, uh, ZTV, um, ANI, which is like a a, a newswire, uh, platform as well in India, and it, it's a, it's large, it's massive, um, but it it's a channel that's used to disseminate disinformation from the Indian state, and like, the EO Disinfo actually jumps into this and kind of breaks it down in a really nice way. Um, but you, you see this nexus between media in the Indian state and uh, defaming uh, sick advocacy. Um, you know, another great example of, of another outlet is Republic TV. You uh, know, Republic TV is like, think Fox News, but even worse, uh, somehow, uh, of India. Uh, Arnav Goswami, who's the uh, host of Republic TV, is like, infamous for this. Uh, and he's in, in the midst of his own scandal, and where uh, it was exposed to WhatsApp chats that the Indian government was feeding him information, including a uh, surgical airstrike in Pakistan three days before it would happen. And, uh, so it, that, that's how tight uh, the government is with some of these news agencies, and it's it's uh, it's how authoritarian states operate uh, like at the scale and like the industrial scale that it is in India. Uh, and I think a lot of folks in uh democracies like Canada or, or, or otherwise uh, think the press is free and we can trust what the press says, but it, obviously with asterisks beside that, uh, but in India it's been incredibly uh, compromised. Uh, Raman Gharad, this story I thought was hilarious uh, for all the wrong reasons. Raman Gharad is a private citizen, okay? Uh, Raman Gharad did run for the Conservative Party of Canada at the last federal election, um, in 2019. Mm-hmm. And he lost, so he's not a sitting MP or anything. Uh, he's also a, um, a holder of an OCI. So he could travel to India without, like, essentially like without going the kinds yeah, of
1: Indian citizenship. Yeah.
0: So he goes to, uh, India, uh, to go to the Delhi uh, uh, the blockade that's happening right now outside the outskirts of Delhi, at the farmers' protest. Uh, and he goes there and he's talking to people, he's posting up videos, you know, he's talking to folks. And uh, Republic TV picks this up. And Republic TV runs a story saying and claiming that Canada's opposition leader, <laughs> which is false, he's, he's, not, he's not Aaron O'Toole. Uh, Aaron O'Toole is a uh in no way, shape, or form looks like roman Bernard. Um and then B, uh because of that, he's also a sitting member of Parliament with the Conservative Party of Canada.
1: And huge promotions, huge promotions.
0: Oh yeah. But just patently false, just outrageously false. Uh and they run this story and they're told over and over again that this is like, guys, you, this is false. That You're sharing fake news, like literally fake news. It takes one Google search to figure this is all wrong. Yeah. But they refuse to change the headlines and they keep running it all day live on TV. So uh, they combine with it a hashtag of Canada stay out. And here's another example of Canada's political parties interfering in India. Uh, in Indian affairs, which is ironic for a
1: million different reasons, especially for the oh, yeah. BJP-friendly media it. Including, including that Modi uh, was said as much about the Capitol takeover in the U.S. Like he mildly commented on it, which is what Justin Trudeau did. He mildly commented on the farmer protests. He said, "We believe in the right to peaceful protests. He never said anything about anyone else. Uh, but the other thing, and I really want to make sure that this like hits home for everyone who's listening. The DNA of Canadian politics is allegiance to the countries that immigrants came from. Um, white people uh, uh, for, to France, to England, and like that is how this parliamentary democracy was set up. That's how we operate. That's how Quebec operates. It's it is who we are to be connected to the places that we come from. Unless you are indigenous and you have an indigenous, you have indigenous ways of knowing, being, and doing, and indigenous governance. Canadian politics is about connection and allegiance to your homeland as an immigrant. So, it's just when brown people do it. If if we have if we're here, but we also have some sort of political opinion about India, it gets discounted. Uh, and there are obviously boundaries where it becomes foreign interference. We're nowhere near making a mild comment about the right to p- peaceful protest is nowhere near foreign interference.
0: Well and there's also this kind of false equivalency that keeps getting built by India where it's when they're interfering at a state level like, oh, yeah. in, engaging in like actual espionage and uh they have a radio uh, station for
1: Palestine on Blur Street.
0: <laughs> yeah, like that that's registered like the address is registered to the consulate. Um where where you have like the systematic and state-sponsored interference uh, in in the rights of six uh, in Canada and the false equivalency is made is like, well, that's okay because sick Canadians are are, uh, interfering and talking about the farmers' protest. You can't compare like what's happening organically within communities, speaking about their families and loved ones to state-sponsored interference and espionage in the Sikh Canadian community. Like they're not equivalent. Oh, no, no. Um, so uh, I, like, we're talking about the building media, and we're talking about this issue, and we're talking about how Indian media is used. And I, I, I feel like you know, it, it is a story that uh, we've talked about often, but it just keeps evolving, right? And it's so critically important to keep an eye on because it is uh, one of those really subtle ways uh, that the Indian state continues to try to undermine uh, Sikh advocacy and, and, and just in general, like the Punjabi community. Related, but not a hundred percent, uh to the Golden Media conversation we just had, uh was what Navakia, also known as a Raptors Super fan, a beloved uh member of like the Canadian Sikh community. The the,
1: the Raptors won the championship, and he was the marshal of one of the biggest parades in Toronto. That's how beloved he is.
0: He was literally at the front of the parade.
1: Uh, He is John's uncle. He is everyone's uncle.
0: Seriously, he's he's well recognized, respected uh, in in Canada, like just the mainstream. Like forget about like sick and sick identity. Uh, Just in the mainstream, especially in sporting and basketball, like. Everyone knows who Nav Bak is. Um, He was um, awarded the Canada India Foundation Global India of the Year Award, and that really problem. That's really problematic. And I, you know, quite frankly, I don't think, uh, and Nav has has come out and said as much as this. He didn't know who Canada India Foundation is, which I think is a fair comment because a lot of people actually don't know who
1: they are. And- Can we just say, Canada India Foundation are uh, pro-Indian government. They are genocide deniers. So they will constantly say the genocide against 6 didn't happen. And they actively push back against all of our Sikh efforts to have recognition, validation, healing, um, just community moments. They will mobilize in strategic ways to shut down our conversations about the trauma we have or on our own bodies. And this same award, the Global Indian Award that this year was giving to Bhardia, um, was in 2016 given to the head of ZTV. So remember, uh, Godly Media, ZTV, um, the head received this award with $50,000 uh, presented to uh, pre- presented by Minister Nabdi Bains. So this is a Sikh minister through a genocide denying foundation giving an award, uh, to the head of Goddi Media if you want to connect the dots. And I don't know if there's, um, much they don't have in common, because if you look at the uh, World Sick Organization had put up an infographic about who talked about the sick genocide and what kind of language they used, Minister Baines also doesn't use the language of genocide. So I guess in that sense, um, these genocide deniers have some common framework that they're working on, but this is the award that was offered to Navbadia.
0: Yeah, the Canada Foundation or CIF, they don't really operate in the public domain um they're uh, they're very much focused on like lobbying efforts and they're very active with government um and as far as like the india lobby goes cif is is probably one of the the more prolific uh and active uh arms of it and this organization uh decided to give an award uh, for 2020 global indian uh to to navakia and then with it was a promise of like a fifty thousand dollar donation uh to a chair to uh a charity work that Navakya does uh back in punjab so like the money was going to good to good to uh the money was going to a very good cause um and nava accepted the award and uh about i think a day or two before the ceremony was going to happen it was all going to happen virtually
1: he had when already Navakia, pre-recorded his thanks at this. Point. It was yeah, it
0: was pre-recorded well in advance. At the time, we didn't know that, um, yeah. but we learned afterwards this was well, well uh, pre-recorded well in advance. Uh, his acceptance speech. Um, now, Bakia uh, puts out, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be receiving this award, and it's coming with this donation for a really meaningful cause that I'm involved with, and I'm really excited for this. And folks in six spaces got wind of it. Uh, about like seriously, like 24 hours before this thing was going to happen and, uh, started engaging now, like now you're, you're making an honest mistake here. You actually probably don't know. uh really what CIF is up to and what their history actually is. And you know, they have some air legitimacy around them. Yeah, you know, because Minister Baines and at that time, Premier Kathleen Wynne were on the stage presenting the work to ZTV, uh, a, a well-known outlet of global media.
1: Our boy, from, over from Macdonald laurie Institute, co-author of the intro to the Khalistan is Pakistan Report, Shavloi Majumdar gave shout outs to Nav Bhatia for accepting this award. So like the lowest of the low Indian supporters were very excited about this.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think Anita Anand who is now a minister uh, with the Liberal Party, uh, was a board member or an advisor uh, with CIF, so they have some air legitimacy around them. In, so in, like, and just and I have like a board
1: part. with with like yarn, and we this is how we figure <laughs> it out. We're just like this versus connected here, and yeah, they're all they're
0: yeah. All it's together. yeah, it sounds it sounds very insane. Um, uh, but like the, the point being is that there's there's an air legitimacy around these guys that if you don't know the actual history of their advocacy work, uh, you can see something like Nadbaki making the honest mistake. So. A lot of us reached out, uh, including from the World Sikh Organization, to say, look, we think you're making a mistake because you actually don't know their history. Here is their history of Sikh genocide denial. Here is their history of uh, lobbying and supporting on behalf of uh, the politicians uh, that had like visa bans or, or a connection with uh, the Muslim massacre in Jidat that uh, now Prime Minister Modi at the time Chief Minister, um, was involved with like they have a long history of violence against
1: our receipts that's the short version of it is that we were able to share how uh detrimental the this canada india foundation is to anyone who is seeking equity and human rights and healing and he heard it
0: and he heard it and i think uh folks on his side and, and there was a lot of conversations that that was generated internally for them uh with you know, and I think that is very clear. You know, I spoke to many different stakeholders. I try to get a really good understanding of what this is all about. But he made that honest effort as a result of the advocacy and the the outreach that was, that was happening through social media, uh, as well as internal networks. And uh, the next day, uh, he puts a statement out that he's returning the reward, but he's still gonna go ahead and make the donation
1: uh, on his Super. own behalf. Super classy. That, and I'm I'm gonna read read this out loud because so he was gonna get a fifty thousand dollar donation to his passion project world visions canada's daughters of india where he's building washrooms for girls in rural parts of india and he said no to the award and i'll put forward the fifty thousand dollars if i need to so if you are listening and you think this is classy please go on over and donate to world vision canada's daughters of india initiative to help build washrooms for girls in rural parts of India, so they can continue their education. Cause this man put forward $50,000 of his own money so that he could, it's just a super classy move. So he could support his community. And he has constantly talked about his own trauma and surviving the genocide as well.
0: Well, and that was the story. It's like, Nav- uh, Navakya came to Canada in 1984 as a result of the genocide. Like his, his own lived experience. In fact, uh, Navak was a guest of the World Sick Organization at one of our Ottawa dinners, parliamentary dinners a couple of years ago, where he, like, he was invited to share his story. Uh, so all of this is to say, um, uh, the CIF uh, and, and those in the India lobby were, were trying to co-opt and use uh, and abuse Nav's image as a sick, as a prominent sick in the community in the goodwill that he's generated, um, for their own purposes. Uh, and like, like kind of this devious uh plan that they had around this that they'll be able to parade now afterwards to say the CIF supports the sick community. What are you guys talking about? Uh six don't even support the sick genocide stuff that you guys do. Um and now Bhatia, by returning the reward the next day in the way that he did and it went absolutely viral. Uh, undermined CIF in a way that um nothing else had was as uh, widespread as is able to do before that, and uh, in the mainstream, the CIF kind of lobby arm um, credibility was damaged considerably. And CIF, their, their so. public
1: response, their public response to the returning of this award was like, "Oh, we don't bring politics into it. Why would you bring politics into yeah. it?" And their whole thing is politics and to lobby and to manipulate the Canadian government. And then when you when you shine a light on that, they're like, "Oh, why are you being so political?"
0: Well, that's that's, that's response every time uh, a Sikh speaks out for something. It's like, oh, why are you guys being divisive? Why are you guys bringing politics into this? What's you divisive?
1: State-sponsored genocide is divisive. Talking about state-sponsored genocide? Not divisive. State-sponsored genocide. Yeah. Divisive.
0: <laughs> it's like uh, you know we we know we know what you guys are trying to do here. Um, it's it's not cute. Uh, it's actually quite offensive. Uh, and kind of diminishing. uh you know, the, the Sikh community's story uh, in, you know, which is quite frankly pure evil uh, is sadly not all that surprising either. Uh, but the way that uh, Navajo was able to respond uh, was considerable uh, and actually incredibly meaningful. And secondly, I think the Sikh community's ability to kind of articulate and speak um, to folks like this in a way that it couldn't in the past, Uh, is continuously manifesting itself, right? Like there's continuously manifesting itself in like advocacy wins. And you know, well, sometimes it may feel like, you know, what's the point of speaking out? Sometimes it may feel like, is anyone even listening? You know, it's tiring. It's exhausting. It uses a lot of mental energy to do this stuff. Uh, let this be a lesson in that it works, right? It really does. And it has considerable meaningful effect. Um, from the farmers' protests and the help that the diaspora uh, was providing there, to um, Nawakia defaming uh, uh, through, uh, rightfully so, um, an arm of the India lobby machine that has a, uh, has been very prolific and active in, in undermining Sikh advocacy in this country.
1: So I wanted to welcome to our podcast Shabd Singh who is tuning in from Washington, D.C. Shabd is the host of a podcast called The One with Shabd and where can folks find this once they're completely done listening to our podcast and if they still want more sick perspectives where can they find your podcast?
2: Um, The easiest way is if you go to anchor.fm slash the one podcast, all written out, and we have links to subscribe on every platform there.
1: Perfect. Um, And thank you so much for joining us. I know this is a podcast about asking Canadian Sikhs. And once in a while, we like to shift the gaze over to our brothers and sisters in the United States and find out what's happening with an American Sikh perspective. And I don't know if folks have been paying attention. I mean, you're a really small country. You don't make the news cycle that often. <laughs> but but uh, I heard that you recently had elections, and I wanted to know what's going on. What are your observations with the elections? And uh, let's start with we've heard uh, some talk about there being folks, who uh, Indians being appointed to the administration and also Indian folks who have been taken out of certain roles. So what are your observations on that?
2: Yeah. Um, well, first, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. Um, what we're seeing with uh, the Biden administration is that he he has hired a lot of Indian Americans into this administration. Um, one heartening thing that we've seen in a Tribune uh, article just from the 21st uh, was that there were uh, two members of the the staff that were going to be brought on that after a vetting process were uh, removed from being appointed to anything uh, because they or their family had very close ties to BJP uh, slash RSS uh, organizations uh, in the United States. Um, And and so that's something that uh, we can look to as a, a positive. Um, that there is some awareness of the at least the optics of what that means to bring in folks with close ties to Indian nationalism uh, into the administration, um, but uh, aside from that, they've brought on a lot of folks from the I would say the uh, uh, kind of center center to uh, center left uh, uh, perspective or, or, or what's the word um, spectrum uh of politics that happen to be indian american and and i think that there's some things that we can uh, draw from that if we look at especially some of the top uh, appointees uh, to the administration uh, from that background
1: yeah that's a it's a bit of a change from the last administration moving away from ethno-nationalism as opposed to towards it and i think that's something that's been a similar tool for both India and the United States, in the, these past admin, and current administrations in India, um, you've definitely seen that as a tool to mobilize folks. Um, what does the current administration mean for sex in general, just everyday sex, who are living their lives in the United States?
2: Yeah, so you know, I, you know, to take this from the perspective of of Amer- sick, you know, Americans living in the states, um, and what what it means in the context of. Uh, politics and the economy in this country for them. Um, you know, uh, like you said, this is a welcome departure from what uh, we've been experiencing for the last four years, where you had an atavistic, outright racist um, at, you know, at the bully pulpit every day on the news, uh, mobilizing the worst parts of American society and emboldening uh, the, the far right. Um What we have now is what what I would call, you know, just a a centrist or a neoliberal um, uh, resident in the White House. And the appointees that he's uh, uh, named to very important um, parts of the administration are still something to be concerned about. Uh, We are not out of the woods, so to speak. So why do I say that Um, if we take the most prominent Indian American that he has appointed to the administration, aside, of course, from uh, Vice President Kamala Harris, who uh, if folks who paid attention to the primaries and were reading the news are aware that she actually had direct confrontations with Six in her role as uh, Attorney General of California when she barred six uh, turban six from uh, participating in certain government jobs. I believe the specific case that uh, six were arguing in the context of was one where a sick was trying to get a job as a prison guard uh, and was not allowed to do that because of uh, his turban. Um, So that that's already something that's concerning. And if we also look at um, her past record, she does not treat uh in her policies she did not treat as attorney general uh poor people or people of color very well uh, oh. She helped institute and enforce laws that essentially criminalized poverty um, you know ramping up uh laws against um or punishment for things like truancy, like skipping school, where even parents could be put in jail uh, for their kids skipping school, things like that. These are obviously things that affect the working class much more than the wealthy. Uh, The majority of Sikhs in America are working class. Uh, When it comes to whether they're labor or management, they're going to more generally find themselves on the labor side of that equation. And I think that uh, Kamala Harris's record, as well as Neera Tandon, who is the former uh, president and CEO of the Center for American Progress, which is a heavily Hillary Clinton-aligned uh, organization, who has been named the head of the Office of Management and Budget, which is a very high-level position with tremendous power uh, over th- over budget, um, and who will have an important Again, bully pulpit to uh, talk about different policies. From uh, her history is again is neoliberal. It is one that tends to favor management, tends to favor corporations uh, and the wealthy. And um, if we look at at her record, uh, things she said, policies that she supported in the past. For example, she's completely against Medicare for all, uh, a single payer healthcare system. Uh, if folks know, America is. In horrible uh, position because of COVID. And in part, it's because of our completely broken healthcare system. Um, so, uh, she's against that. And she is generally speaking going to be on the side of management and corporations. And that's a troubling thing, I think, for uh, working class six who do make up the majority of the sick population in America. So, um, that, that's a major kind of thing that I would look at in terms of the signaling of, of what we can expect. Uh, from a sick perspective.
1: Yeah, and I think when we are seeing it all unfold from a Canadian perspective, you have two parties, and you will refer to them as being left and right. Um, your left folks don't align with our left folks, no. and so yeah, in Canada, um, both parties uh, or both sides would believe in universal health care, for example. Um, right. And so these are these are very. It's very interesting to see policies unfold in the United States and them being framed of being too left wing or villainized for being yes. too left wing and constantly seeing Americans voting against their own interests. Um, I don't know why you wouldn't want to have extra money during COVID and have yeah. free health, free healthcare during a pandemic that always feels a little. Um, and, it, and when you dive deeper, you can understand that all the very powerful lobbies and mechanisms behind it, but yeah. on the surface, it feels difficult to understand. So a lot of these policies, and I know you touched on neoliberalism, um, what are what do you see with this new administration um the way that they approach the world and we've seen a lot of uh not just a for the farmers' protest not just a conversation um that is sick or Indian it's become a conversation more broadly about neoliberalism across the globe. How do you see the current administration playing into that
2: so like I said, and like you just reiterated there effectively a neoliberal administration, which means that across the globe, they're going to favor the interests of business over anything. Um, The Modi administration, the Modi regime, is also deeply intertwined with uh, the massive uh, corporations in India. Uh, This says to me and from analysis that I've been reading that Biden won't make any kind of a stink about human rights abuses that are going on uh, currently and won't voice um, clear support for uh, the farmers protests that are ongoing. India is a massive economic, uh, uh, you know, a source of uh, cheap goods. It's a source of labor for the United States, uh, hot, like uh, technical labor, et cetera. And um, I don't see the united states doing anything to jeopardize its relationship with india in the future Uh, and india has often used its ability uh, or often used its uh, trade with the west as a bargaining chip to uh, keep the west silent about human rights abuses Uh, some folks may know that uh, margaret thatcher and uh, the british uh, government kept very quiet about um, blue star not only that they helped plan it but Um, They they certainly didn't speak up about it after uh, Blue Star or the riots of uh, November riots, the pogroms of November 1984, um, because they were trying to sell helicopters to India for Mm. to the tune of billions of pounds. Um, So. I don't think that there's going to be any kind of uh, real criticism or condemnation coming from this government. And that absolutely affects Sikhs, as as the farmers movement is predominantly Sikh, And as you see, uh, really, the Nishan Sab flying over those protests and and leading the spirit, I think, of those protests, even if they are led by uh, the major unions and being organized by them as well.
1: All right. And last question before you leave us. Are there any interesting um, six involved in politics that we should keep an eye out for?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So first, um, folks might be interested um, in in an article that I recently wrote for um, Boz, uh, which is uh, the new um, uh, publication that uh, Jaskara and Sandhu put together and uh, I think other folks as well. That's that's very cool. Um, and the article was just about the ideological debate that Sikhs should be having in the American context. Um, and I like to reference, there's an incredible uh, author and historian uh, Sikh named Jigjit Singh, uh, who I believe uh, passed in the late nineties, who was uh, part of the Guddha movement and was one of its most important biographers. Uh, he has a book called in the caravan of revolutions and um, he makes very very clear that the that Sikhi is a a plebeian political revolution and an egalitarian social revolution guided by religious devotion to gudbani and that's kind of how i uh, assess politics in whatever context is wherever we stand as Sikhs, what can we be doing to um, live that and to take up the mantle of our forebears wherever we stand. Now, punthic politics, what we do as a punth, if we ever develop our own uh, nation, these questions are very big. We don't have time for them, and, and I don't think that I'm an expert on that at all. Um, but in the context of America and what we could do to uh, lift up the poor, to uh, create a more egalitarian social order, I think, is to take a very bold and... Um, defiant stance to the, the neoliberal status quo and fight for working people, fight for immigrants, fight for those most marginalized, uh, in this society. And one person that I think is doing that in a really inspiring way is a woman named Jasleen Kaur, who is running for, uh, the Queen's, uh, city council in New York City. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, the, her region, uh, has over 100,000 residents. Mostly, uh, mostly brown folks, mostly folks from Bangladesh and uh, a lot of people from Punjab, um, and, and from all over the world who live there. Uh, one of the major issues that they face is that many of them are, um, Uber and taxi drivers. And, uh, for without going too deep into, uh, why it's a problem, uh, and how they got there, they are in, uh, dire Uh, straits many of there's many taxi drivers committing suicide because the value of their uh, taxi shields have basically dropped to next to nothing compared to what they originally paid for them Um, and they are a part of a a big uh, labor movement to create minimum standards and uh, for for taxi drivers and uber drivers so uber and taxi drivers are are protesting together Um, Jasleen core is a big supporter of that. Her own father is, is, uh, participating in that. He's a taxi driver. And in general, she is, uh, fighting for things like, uh, improved social housing, um, and just generally making things better for working people in New York and, uh, fighting for people power versus real estate power, which is the real kind of influence, uh, in, in New York when it comes to politics. Uh, and distribution of resources. Uh, so, so I highly recommend checking her out, uh, supporting her if you can. I know that many of your listeners are Canadian, but if you're in the U.S., you can support her. And uh, not to plug myself, but I did interview who, interview her on my podcast recently, and that was really fun. So, I think that we can, as six, wherever we stand, if we want to get involved in these politics and these these uh, you know the the systems of the countries where Uh, We live. Let's take up a the mantle of our forebears. Let's uh, fight for social equality and political revolution that sees the distribution of wealth uh, be more fair and more democratic.
1: I don't think we could end off on a more positive note. Uh, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your thoughts. I know that one of the reasons we started this hashtag in this podcast was because sick voices are underrepresented in the analysis of Canadian politics. I think it's fair to extend that to the United States. We don't often get to hear a sick perspective. and So we're very grateful that you came on today and shared all of that information.
2: Uh, it's, it's my pleasure and uh, I really love what world sick organization does. So uh, kudos to all of you for your work. And uh, I, again, really, really grateful to be on.
0: Well, that's it for this month's uh, episode of asking Sick six the podcast. I'm just Rick Gore and myself. Thank you so much for listening through all of this. Thank you for tuning in every month. Thank you for sharing. Uh, please continue to do so. Uh, it, this only works if people listen. Um, now, if you ever want us to cover something specifically, uh, if you want to talk to someone, never hesitate to give us a shout. Either you can DM either just before myself, uh, whether on Instagram or Twitter or wherever it is, uh, or really easy at worldsick.org uh, on every single social media platform. Uh, feel free to shoot us a message. Uh, if you have words of encouragement, always nice. If you want to criticize us, also acceptable, don't worry about it. Uh, but really, really important. Everything that we do at the WSO is done by volunteers. This is only possible with your donations. Consider going over to worldsick.org, uh and click on Dasvan right there at the top bar of the navigation uh, part of the, the website. And the Dasvan program is a new program we've launched as an organization, uh, either for monthly, monthly or annual donations that really help to sustain the work that the organization does. So if you appreciate this podcast, if you appreciate uh, you know, the legal work we do, uh, the community organizing work we do, the youth empowerment work we do, um, and so on and so forth, please donate, because it really is only possible with your not It really is. Uh, so with that, we'll see you uh, next month from Just record and myself.